so glad to be with you all here today. My name is Ruben. I'm the pastor here at Zoe Church. That was Daniel, who just led, led us in amazing worship. I love that mashup at the end. Beautiful. Surrounded and see a victory. Oh, God, we want to see a victory here. Lord Jesus, we want to see a victory in our lives. Father God, I'm reminded of that verse where you say, oh, death, where, well, where's your sting? Or not death, where's your sting? But basically, death, you have no uh, hold on us anymore. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we are victorious because of you. Thank you so much that we are victors over death. That death no longer has sting over us. Death has no longer have a weight on us. But Lord Jesus, we are fully free because of you. And Lord God, if we lean into you, if we pause before you, if we open our ears to listen to you, that we will experience your love. We will experience the peace that comes from you. We will experience the joy that comes from you. For, oh God, we are truly victorious because of you. Because of what you did, Jesus, on the cross. That's why in these moments, every Sunday, we, once a week, we take time as the body of Christ to gather and to worship you, Jesus to sing songs of praise and adoration that glorify your name. And so Jesus, we take this opportunity now. We pause before you and we say, speak. Speak to us, Lord. In your glorious and blessed name we pray. Amen. Hey, happy Father's Day to all the fathers and spiritual fathers and mentors and men who have taken roles in, in people's lives to bless them, to be a role model, to care, to be a father. As we take our example from our heavenly father, what it means to love and to care and to cherish and to support and so a special blessing on all the fathers and all the spiritual mentors and spiritual fathers out there. I pray that God would uh, sustain you. I pray that God would help you to continue to fight the good fight of being uh, uh, faithful to God and faithful to those around you. That you would continue to be the cup that pours into others as Jesus pours himself into your life. That you would bless and encourage and mentor and love and serve. So special blessing to all fathers out there. Thank you so much for what you do. May God bless you generously in this coming year. Today we are starting a brand new topic that's only for today, just a one-off message. I'm gonna ask a question and I want some uh, responses through social media. If you are a multitasker, put your hand up. If you're like, yup, I'm a multitasker. I'm someone who can do multiple things at a time and do them well. Go ahead, raise your hand, be like, yep, I'm a multitasker. How about you? I'm a multitasker, and then fill in the blank with a rhyme because I didn't think of one. Uh, yeah, uh, I wonder how many people, I am not one. I am not, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be out there right now. I am not a good multitasker. You know, my wife actually told me very clearly, whenever I try to do multiple things, it doesn't go that great. I usually am a lot better when I'm focused, and, I, um, and that's just me. But there's some of you out there who are amazing at multitasking, right? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a strength, and if, you're, if you have the ability to multitask and do things great like my wife does, she definitely is a good multitasker, 
Men, all the grace be with you. Do it. Use it to your advantage. That is amazing. But today, I want to actually ask a question about God and faith. I want to ask you a, a, a question that I wonder if we've ever asked ourselves. Is this, has faith and being a disciple of Jesus fallen somewhere along the line as we've followed Jesus Christ into just one of these tasks or categories to get done? Have we, in other words, started to multitask our faith and our discipleship as a follower and disciple of Jesus? I mean, just think about it for a second. When do we make real time in our schedules to grow in our faith and become better disciples? If your answer is like, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm at church, aren't I? Isn't, isn't that what I'm doing? Well, no, no, no. Coming to church is like the cherry on top of a Sunday. A cherry alone is a cherry. It ain't a Sunday. Coming to church is important. It means you're growing together as the church, as the body of Christ, supporting each other, loving each other, reaching the community with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Absolutely. But the real work happens throughout the week, not just what happens on Sunday. You know, think about it, how busy our lives sometimes get that we start to multitask our faith. We, we pray on the go while texting someone else. We read scripture while totally distracted from all the notifications from social media or responding to that email because we know we got to get that out immediately. We barely take time to read a good Christian book that's pointing us back towards Jesus to educate, inspire, and motivate ourselves to grow in our faith to follow as disciples of Jesus, let alone find time to go into Scripture. Or maybe you're just like, Pastor Reuben, I just find it super hard to spend five minutes sitting and just reading, like, whatever excuse you put in there, you're like, I just can't. That's just not me. And somehow we tend to add levels of following Jesus into these other areas of our life rather than taking time to focus on God. See, for some of us, we are so distracted by life that we go to God with a distracted devotion. But today, what I want to talk about, and today's sermon is talking about giving God our undivided devotion. That's what I want to talk about today, giving God our undivided devotion. And we're not, we're not going to just sit here. We're going to jump right into Scripture. So I want you to open up your Bibles. If you are new to church, new to faith, and you're like, I have never been in something like uh, this kind of a setting before, so glad you've chosen to join us today. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The words and the, the, the scriptures are going to be up on the screen as well. Uh, if you have another device, go ahead and download YouVersion Bible app right now. Um, if you're listening to this at a later point, you can actually pause and go grab your Bible and come back and replay this as well. But for those of you who are watching this live right now, go ahead and turn your Bibles to, cha to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to be going through a few verses here. Now, as you're turning there... The context is actually super simple. Jesus is with his disciples traveling. And, they're tra and on their way, they pause, they stop, and they're interrupted by something. And it's this interruption that I want us to pay attention to today. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, this is what scripture says. Now as they went on their way, 
Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, I believe, so the context is pretty clear right there. What's happening is Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and Martha comes in and welcomes Jesus and obviously the disciples into her home. And Mary, Martha's sister, as soon as Jesus comes in, she takes the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to be taught. Now, I actually believe that these are the sisters, Mary and Martha, these are the sisters of Lazarus. If you don't know scripture or you just don't know this story, Lazarus was the man who Jesus raised from the dead. Yeah, that's not, uh, I didn't missay that, I didn't misspeak that, that's actually accurate. Go ahead and turn your Bibles and just, or just Google it. Lazarus raised from the dead and read that passage. It's an amazing passage of scripture, what Jesus did uh, to show that who he, show all of us who he really is and the power uh, of what he has or, or the power that he has. But I believe that this Martha and Mary are actually the, the sisters to Lazarus, just for some context. But verse 40, let's continue what's happening. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You see, what's going on right now is that Mary and Martha, basically, Jesus comes into their home. The story looks like it's basically Mary, Martha, and Jesus, but really the disciples are there with Jesus. So we're talking about at least 14, 15 people, not just three or four people. And for those of you who, who've hosted a dinner party or have been to larger parties, you know the kind of stress it is to host a party. I remember the first time me and my wife had 14, 15, 16 people over to our home. We were working two nights before, prepping the food, prepping the house, cleaning it up, because we want to be hospitable, right? And in their culture, they understood that. They understood what it meant to be hospitable. So obviously, Martha's like, well, there's all this work that I got to do because I just invited Jesus and now his disciples as well to come into our home and she's distracted because she has so much to do. That word distracted, just to understand what that really means. In the Greek, actually, it means to be pulled away or to be dragged away by something. It's almost like as much as she's there to host Jesus, she's being pulled away because of the serving, because of all the things that she had to do. So obviously, a flustered, an upset, a uh, 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 disgruntled Martha goes to Jesus the teacher, and says this, Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, meaning Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Can you notice Martha's cry right here? She's going in with almost like a rhetorical question. Lord, do you not care that my sister won't help me? It's not like she was actually asking a question. She was expecting Jesus to go like, Martha, of course I care about you. Mary, go help your sister in the kitchen and to prep everything up. Sadly, Jesus doesn't respond to us like that typically, right? Jesus always ups the ante. He always takes it to the next level. And instead, Martha uh, crying out, saying, listen, Jesus, like, like culturally understood this. Women were uh, domestic home runners during that time. They ran the home, so it would have been normal for Mary to help Martha. 
But Mary chose something else, and Martha chose something else, and Jesus is about to make a very clear point that I want us to listen in right here. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. It's almost like an empathetic double call of her name, like Martha, it's not just get your attention, but Martha. I'm here, you listening, I feel you. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. So what's going on? Martha's responsibility to honor her guests that she is having over without her sister's help to go ahead and serve and prep everything has led to her distraction, which has caused now within her anxiety and trouble and worry and stress. Martha's distraction led to her giving Jesus her divided devotion. Let me read that again. Martha's distraction led to her giving Jesus her divided devotion. You ever done that? Give Jesus your divided devotion rather than your undivided devotion? See, Martha's cares for the immediate, even though she wasn't really doing something bad, it caused her to be distracted. Hospitality is not a bad thing. In fact, in their culture, it would have been required. But nonetheless, what happened was her distraction led to her divided devotion. Do you know that in our lives, the things that we are distracted with in our lives will lead to our divided devotion to God? That we won't be fully devoted to God the way we ought to, but rather we will go to him with a divided devotion. How many of us are like Martha, distracted from God because of all the cares of the world? We get caught up in the worries of our lives, how we're going to put food on the table tomorrow. We get distracted with the new cycle and the overwhelming uh, 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 news that's constantly bombarding us. We get distracted with that special someone that's, that's just entered your life, and now you're trying to check out, wink, wink, you know what I'm talking about. Super interesting. We're super interested in now, right? We get distracted with scrolling through social media and all of a sudden we see an image of someone that we wish we basically could be like disappointedly comparing ourselves to that person, wishing that we could be and look like them. You know, whether it's the worry of a job, whether it's the worry of keeping your job, whether it's the worry of starting a family or meeting the future Mrs. or Mr., our world is full of distractions that sell us the illusion, don't miss this, don't miss this, our world is full of distractions that sell us the illusion that we're all right if we just keep chasing after things we're chasing. That in our life, we'll actually feel some fulfillment chasing after all of these things when the truth is true life and true fulfillment is only found in the God who created all things. See, that's the, re that's the real goal of the enemy his goal is that we would multitask our way to death rather than pausing and finding Jesus. Multitasking might be an asset at work, but when it comes to faith in God, not so much. And maybe you're here today and you're brand new to church, brand new to faith in Jesus, and you're like, I have never been, in fact, I was scrolling, I just kind of paused here. But you're like, yes, 
I know that, that's what I feel. I feel like I'm so distracted from the true essence of life. I feel like I don't really know the true essence and meaning of life. I feel so unfulfilled and overwhelmed and distracted, like I don't really know what I'm doing and where I'm going. I want you to listen in because what Jesus was saying to Martha was not that, Martha, you got it wrong, just ignore the whole world, but rather what he was really saying is, Mary, you did something right. Remember that in their Middle Eastern culture, it wasn't wrong to be hospitable, it was actually expected. It was something as a sign, it was actually something you did as a sign of honor and respect of someone who was entering your home to care for them to the best. I know the, the line of Martha and Mary typically goes, Martha was terrible. It wasn't terrible, actually. Martha was doing something good of trying to be hospitable. The problem was that Mary chose better. And that's what I want us to focus on. In fact, somebody, an author that I was reading uh, this past week says it like this, Jesus is not so much condemning Martha's activities as he is commending Mary's. Jesus is not so much condemning Martha's activities as he is commending Mary's. You know, it's true. In life, you do need to do your part. Get a job, take care of your family, put yourself out there if you're ready to date and get married. This message isn't a message of abandon all responsibility, but rather it's this, in the midst of your life, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, I want you to ask this question of yourself. In the midst of your life and responsibilities between schoolwork and play, What's your devotion like to God? What's your devotion like to God? Is your relationship with Jesus like an afterthought to everything that you do? Like every part of your life? Is is Jesus just an afterthought? Or is Jesus the very person through whom you live your life with? See, our problem is we care more about ourselves in the world than the larger picture God paints for us. And this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden when the original sin began everything. It was selfishness, it was me first rather than God first. It was men and women choosing the created over the creator. See, we care more about our bank account than we care about God's church and his finances. We care more about our physical physique than we care about our spiritual disciplines that Jesus calls us to. We care more about our social media statuses and who is following us and who is liking what and what other people think about us rather than maybe taking a needed break from social media for the sake of our emotional and mental health. See, this is what distracted devotion is like. Distracted devotion is when we choose the created over the creator. It's when you listen more to what the creation has to say about you rather than letting the creator speak about your life. And the root cause to a distracted devotion is giving God our divided attention rather than our undivided attention. See, notice what Mary does. What Mary does is she goes and gives Jesus her undivided attention, her undivided devotion. And then what does Jesus say about her? That she has chosen the good portion, and that the blessings that she has now, uh, uh, basically that follows, won't be taken away from her. From her choosing to sit at Jesus' feet. See, I believe what Jesus is doing is 
He's showing us two, two kinds of people in the world, and he's taking Mary and Martha as examples. And even as Luke records this, this is kind of like how he records the narrative. Forgetting anybody else that might have been around, he focuses just on Mary, Martha, and Jesus, and it's for this very specific purpose. Is your devotion to God distracted, filled with worry and anxiety and no peace? Or is your devotion to God undivided, wholesome, replenishing your soul? You see, some of you may have never experienced what it means to just be in the presence of God and, and feel his comforting sense of peace and joy and rest. You may have been calling yourself a Christian all of these years, and yet if I ask you to try and re recollect even just one moment where you felt that nature and the very characteristics that depict the nature of God, as his disciples, you'd be like, I, I can't even remember one time. And yet, this is something as his disciples we should be experiencing. Some of, you, some of you may hear this and you're like, oh, I want that. I want to know what it feels like to be at peace even in times of rest and dismay and war. I want to know what it feels like to find joy even in the unimaginable situations of life. I want to know what it's like to find rest even when everybody else is restless. I want to know what it's like to find security and to feel security even in the moment where everybody is like, well, you should be fearful and feeling anxious like Martha did. See, the key to experiencing this is giving God your undivided devotion. It's choosing what Martha did, the good portion, who is Jesus. See, there are many things that you can do to help you actually in this. This can be a whole series on its own. But what I want to do for today is just simply focus on what Mary did to give Jesus our undivided devotion. Notice what Luke chapter 10, verse 39 to 40 say. It says this, and she had a sister, meaning Martha had a sister, called Mary, who sat. Somebody say sat. Somebody say, just talk about the call. Sat, that's, that's a key word who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Somebody say serving. You see, oh, my team just said serving. That's hilarious. You know, you know what's happening here, right? Do you see the clues that Jesus has left right there for us? Notice their positions. Of, notice the positions of both of them. Mary chose a position to sit at Jesus' feet, Martha chose a position to be busy with serving and working. They're two very different positions. And because Mary positioned herself before Jesus, giving Jesus her undivided devotion, that's why she gets commended. But Martha chose otherwise. The key to giving God her undivided devotion is asking yourself this question, who are you positioned in front of? Who have you kind of set your life up to the point where that is who is fueling you, that who's running your life, that is the source of all that you, is it money? Is everything in your life about trying to get more money, trying to earn more money? Because guess what's gonna happen? Your devotion's gonna be to money, not to God. Your devotion's gonna be to money, and in the end, money fades away. 
You can earn how much ever you want to. You can give it to your children. But at some point, it won't last. Is it fame? Is it getting a name? Is it a reputation? Because guess what? People come and people go. We fade away like the dust, like the sand. Are we devoting ourselves to things that are not worth our devotion? Are we devoting ourselves to getting a partner? That can be an idol. Worshiping this idea of being with someone, of finding the one, the person that we want to be with for the rest of our lives. It could be our self-image. Either we don't like how we look and all we do in our life and all we think about. In fact, one of the best ways to test where your devotion's at is to ask yourself, what are you thinking about? What do you care about the most in your life? It's usually the thing that you're most devoted to. What is it in your life that you are devoted to? See, Mary cared more about learning at Jesus' feet, whereas Martha cared more about being hospitable to her guest. It wasn't that Mary was just outright wrong. Our, our jobs in this life is not to ignore life, but it's to position ourselves before Jesus' feet so that we first get our leading. We first get the, the direction that God wants to take us in from Jesus. And then we live our life out for God. And so that's the question I want you to consider today. At whose feet have you placed yourself as a learner to receive and to grow? You see, some of us today, we don't experience this peace and this joy and the strength of God, even though some of us may call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ, because we're followers of Jesus by name, not because of our heart. We're, we, we say it on the outside. We might go to church on the outside. You know, we might even you know, do certain things on the outside that make it seem like we're followers of Jesus. But there's no transformation on the inside because we haven't given that to him. Devotion is not about your out, outwardly being. It first starts on the inside. About what's going on in the heart. And then what happens? We end up becoming Martha rather than Mary. See, unless we position ourselves at the feet of Jesus, like Mary, ready to learn, to be taught, giving Jesus our undivided devotion, we will forever be Martha, so busy with life, thinking we're doing the right thing, working for God, and yet wondering why we feel horrible on the inside, with no change, full of anxiety, full of worry, full of stress, full of fear. See, this good portion, and I want you to listen. If you've dozed off, come back to the sermon because maybe you came in just for this one line. The good portion that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus describes as uh, of life, this good portion is not the consumption and accomplishments of the world, but in the presence of Jesus as his disciples. I'm gonna say that again. The good portion of life is not in the consumption of this world or the accomplishments in this world, but rather it's in the presence of Jesus as his disciple. So that, my question is, 
So who are you? Are you Mary or are you Martha? My call for us is to aim for the good portion that Jesus says that if we devote our lives to, will never be taken away from us. And so that's my question. What does it mean for us to reposition our lives back to Jesus? What does it mean to reposition our lives? Because that's what I want us to do. For some of us, we've kind of positioned ourselves away from God. We're not at Jesus' feet, ready to hear, to listen, to be led, to be given direction. We're off trying to do our own thing. And this is God's call to come back to the feet of Jesus. Come back and be the disciple that you were saved to be. Come back and follow God and serve him and love him forever. For some of you repositioning, here's some examples what it may look like. For, for one of you, maybe it looks like breaking up with that dude. To letting, because he, what he's doing, what that guy may be doing in your life is distracting you from God. For some of you, it may mean putting dating and, 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 and uh, just going, putting yourself out there on a hold for a season because you're not ready to go and start dating and putting yourself out there. For some of you, repositioning your life and repositioning your heart maybe, may mean you're, you're going to trust God and obey God when it comes to your financial situation, that you're going to start tithing for the first time maybe in your entire life. Maybe you're like, oh, but Pastor Reuben, I don't earn much, I ain't got nuts. Well, that's the thing though. Sometimes we don't understand this. Tithing ain't about what you got. It's about who you trust. It may mean working out on your emotional and mental health because you know that if your emotional and mental health is ignored, it hinders you from growing in your relationship with God. And so it maybe means focusing on it more, getting to counseling, getting pastoral counsel. Whatever you need to do, the goal is to position ourselves before Jesus, at his feet, as a disciple, and then watch how Jesus allows us to grow as he waters us, as the sun helps us grow, as a seedling that's planted, and as Jesus speaks his life to us. Because God is worthy of all our praise, amen? God is worthy of all of our worship, amen? God is worthy of all of our devotion. And any time we go anywhere else and devote ourselves to anything else, what happens is we take it away from the only one who's worthy of our worship, adoration, of our praise and devotion. But what I believe Jesus is doing in this, in this, opportunity, in this moment is he saying, listen, you can be so busy and so distracted multitasking yourself through life, but that's not what it means to walk in faith as a disciple of Jesus. No, no, instead, our goal is to position our lives in a place so that each day we take the time to listen to God, to pause before him, and to obey him in everything that we do. Despite the season that you may be in, Despite the storm that may be hovering over and you see coming, give God your undivided devotion because God deserves it. And if you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's good, good and all, Pastor Ruben, but like, I'm not a Christian. 
I don't follow Jesus. Here's my question to you. What are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? Because whatever you're devoted to, that's who you're putting your entire life in the hands of. That's who you're trusting your entire life with. And my testimony, my story, is that there is nothing in this whole world that is worthy of who you are except for God. There is nothing worthy of your devotion except for God. There is nothing else worthy of your worship except for Jesus Christ. And so here's my plea. If you've never searched the scriptures, if you've never looked into the scriptures to find and to discover and to consider Jesus, would you do that maybe for the first time in your life and really consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and God? Lord Jesus, I pray for every soul who may listen to this now or who are going to listen to it later, who are on the fence trying to figure out what to do. They, they're in this moment and opportunity of, I'm not sure what I believe in Jesus. Would you prompt them? Holy Spirit, would you speak to them? That you would reveal your heart, your vision, your dreams, your desire to them, that they would get a glimpse of who you are, that God, you show us what true love is. God, you show us what true forgiveness is. That Jesus, you came and you sacrificed yourself for our sins on the cross. Lord Jesus, I pray that they would recognize and learn that you have given us this privilege to be saved because of your grace, because of your forgiveness. And then you give it to us like a gift and say, if you believe, you will never perish but have everlasting life. And so Jesus, I pray that you would speak to those individuals. And for those of us who are followers of God, who maybe taken another lane and kind of come out of what it means to be at your feet. We've positioned ourselves in front of money or image or fame. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would convict their hearts even now that they would recognize that they are positioned in front of something else that's sin and that they would reposition their lives, reset their lives, realign their lives back on you. That they would come to you with open ears, ready to serve you, that they would take time to listen to your words, to hear from you, to be taught by you, Jesus, through your word, through the scriptures, in Bible studies, um, with the people of God. Lord Jesus, you are so worthy of all our praise. And so we give you all the glory and thank you for the opportunity and privilege to be able to worship you, to sing songs, and to hear your word preached. In this hurting world right now, Jesus, reach those who are in pain. Reach those, touch the hearts that are struggling, especially despite the injustice and the pain that is so evidently around us, God. And help us as your followers be ministers of grace, be ministers and ambassadors of reconciliation, that we would reconcile the near and far back to you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. In your name we pray.
Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, thank you so much for joining us today for our worship service. We're glad that you tuned in. And if you're watching this later, you know, and you're like, hey, I like this. I would love to listen to more sermons. You can, you know, tune into all of our sermons and messages uh, on Spotify or iTunes. Just search up Zoe Church. You'll see our logo. Click on it. And yeah, feel free to check us out there. Also, if God puts it on your heart this week to to support us, to tithe, to give your offering, whatever it may be, we've made online uh, opportunities available. Uh, All the information is below. You also find all the information online. Stay blessed this week, fam. Love you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.